I was, I was 44 years old, standing next to a fry later and, uh, and, and, and cooking uh, between 10 and 16 hours a day. And then uh, next thing you know, I'm, I'm on, uh, you know, I'm traveling around the world doing whatever I want. I, I don't know really how it happened. I, I got awful lucky and I've, I've tried real hard not to mess that up. The Portland 50 podcast is brought to you by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. Additional support for the Portland 50 is provided by Zupan's Markets. I wanted to do something different on this episode of the Portland 50 and share an interview I was able to do with Anthony Bourdain. We're approaching the anniversary of his passing here in June. And as you think about the Portland landscape when it comes to food, there are a lot of, I don't want to say close relationships between local chefs and Anthony Bourdain, but some personal things going on. Andy Ricker uh, might be a good example from Pock Pock. Um, he actually became Anthony Bourdain's uh, fixer um, for a couple of episodes of his TV show. And I'm going to air an episode from a podcast, a separate podcast that uh, I'm a part of um, later on. But uh, a few years back when I was working in radio, like, like I am now, I actually had the opportunity to interview Anthony Bourdain when he put out a new book, a follow-up to Kitchen Confidential called Medium Raw. And uh, I was a big fan of his TV show. So as you'll tell in this interview, I was super nervous. I listened back to it and I somewhat cringe because of how I phrased questions or even some of the dumb questions I asked. But uh, you can't go back in time, right? I found this interview interesting, especially when you get to the point where he talks about the career change at the age of 44 and what a lesson that is because oftentimes we think of successful people always being successful but you know i could go into it but why don't i just let anthony bourdain go into it he he looks the the whole setup is there there's no reason to rehash all of it so this first portion is going to be a interview i did it's almost been 10 years uh 10 years ago with anthony bourdain and when he was doing a little book tour Anthony Bourdain. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. How are you, sir? Very well, thank you. I, I got to tell you, Anthony, I've been nervous all week because uh, a, I'm a huge fan. Oh, thanks, man. And uh, b, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to get the good Tony or the bad Tony today. All good, all good. It's all about puppies and unicorns today. That's what I love. Now I, you say puppies and unicorns. Is that the is that the daughter influence, uh, Anthony? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, it's, my, it's the kinder, gentler me. Well, not 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 really, but today. <laughs> Okay. I know how that goes. I have, I have two young daughters, and suddenly my life has become about rainbows and unicorns. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, I think that's what the, what the book's about, actually, is I'm trying to, you know, trying to come to terms with how things have changed, but at the same time, a pause for uh, uh, the occasional drive-by shooting. Yeah, now you're talking about Medium Raw. It's, uh, it, I, I guess you can call it the follow-up to uh, Kitchen Confidential. It came out uh, 10 years ago, hasn't it been? Yeah, and I guess I'm, I'm looking at how, how my life has changed in that time and, and uh, how the business has changed. Yeah, you obviously uh, kind of uh, taken a career. Would you call it a career detour? You're not doing what you were 10 years ago where you were running a kitchen. Now you're uh, traveling the world and writing books. Yeah, I don't. I still don't really know how that happened, but it uh, pretty much overnight from... from you know, I was, I was 44 years old, standing next to a fry later and, uh, and, and, and cooking uh, between 10 and 16 hours a day. And then uh, next thing you know, I'm, I'm on, uh, you know, I'm traveling around the world doing whatever I want. I, I don't know 
really how it happened. I, I got awful lucky, and I've, I've tried real hard not to mess that up. But uh, uh, I'm right, I guess that's I'm writing about that. I love these kind of stories because it kind of shows that at any age you can make that decision to kind of change your life for the better, I guess for the worse, but you can change your life, do the things you really want to do. If, if I was sure of anything, you know, back then, I was sure that I would, you know, I would be doing that for the rest of my life, that yeah. I would be standing there cooking, uh, cooking lunches at dinners. And I think that's kind of the, the, I don't know if it's the big mystery to a lot of people that have followed your story, is is you're not in the kitchen every day anymore. You're, uh, uh, it's been, it's been, it's been a, like a little over nine years since I've, I've uh, served any useful purpose in a restaurant. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I pretty much went out on the road to uh, write Cook's Tour and to make the TV show, and right. I, I never came back. It, it, it's interesting, Anthony, as I was kind of, again, I was anxious about this interview, and so I went online and was reading all sorts of stuff, and, and I don't know if you've ever Googled yourself. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, Sure. Of course, okay, all right. Well, good. at least at least you're admitting to it because I do it at least once or twice a day on myself. And one day, <laughs> one day, Anthony, I'm going to show up. But uh, uh, there was this interview I saw. It was on YouTube or something like that. And uh, the uh, the woman interviewing you, she kept on. Uh, she'd call you uh, Bourdain was the way we'd, she would say your last name. I, I don't know if she had an accent, but it was throwing me off. Well, I mean, it, it, it technically, it, it, I mean, it's a French name. And if I were if I were living in France, people would call me Bourdain. Yeah, that's sure, how yeah. you would pronounce it. But I mean, you know, my parents learned very early on that, you know, particularly if you're ordering takeout Chinese food in America, you know, you say Bourdain. Exactly. And that's that's the name I grew up with, and that's what I was called in school. And, you know, it just sounds a little affected to, 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 to do it what is technically the correct way, but I frankly kind of, I'm always embarrassed when people do it. You know, it's Bourdain. Sure, you know, it was throwing me off. I'm like, oh man, have I been doing it wrong all these years? No, all right, good. I was worried. So, uh, for those uh, people who have not picked up Medium Raw, uh, as you mentioned, it's kind of uh, it's, it kind of picks up where uh, Kitchen Confidential left off. Yep. And uh, it's you trying to make sense of uh, the changes in your life. For sure, and also taking a look at how the business has changed since the, you know, Kitchen Confidential covered you know a lot of my career in the seventies, eighties, and nineties, and you know things have really, really changed. It's a it's a different world, and I, I write about that as well. You you write you write. I haven't finished the entire book, but you uh, you kind of write about everything. My favorite chapter so far has been a chapter dedicated to the hamburger. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I just feel uh, it's. I think it's an American birthright that you know. I feel strongly that you should be able to walk into any place that serves hamburgers and without fear or concern, order your hamburger medium rare. And anybody who or any force that causes you to have to treat a hamburger like medical waste. <laughs> or, or, you know, and overcook it, you know, cook it to kill bacteria. Right. Or who requires uh, manufacturers to soak beef in ammonia before they make the hamburger. I, I think that's wrong. I think it's unpatriotic, and I would like to see that nonsense. <laughs> okay. Wow, you're, you're putting it right up there with unpatriotism. <laughs> yeah, I do. And you're, I, I think a lot of people would agree with you, Anthony. Once again, that's an interview that I did with Anthony Bourdain uh, back in 2009, maybe 2010. The Portland 50 Podcast is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. So the second interview I wanted to share here on the Portland 50 comes from the Right at the Fork podcast. This is a podcast I've been doing with my friend and uh, co-host Chris Angelis for about five and a half, almost six years now. Uh, we had Andy Ricker from Pock Pock uh, on the uh, podcast back in January. Um, the first opportunity we were able to chat with him when he was back in the country. 
and talk about the goings on of his business. But uh, a portion of it was spent talking to him about his relationship with Anthony Bourdain because he was on a couple of episodes um, and probably um, more so than any other fixer. I'm using that in quotes, the person that kind of helped set up um, some of the, you know, places where they eat and kind of in- negotiates and all that stuff. Um, Andy was a little more front and center. So we thought it was a new opportunity. Um, here I'm going to air the portion from the show and you can look the entire episode up. Just look up right at the fork.com and then search Andy Ricker and you'll find it. But here, uh, Chris Angelus is asking Andy about what it was like to be on the set. Cause we have kind of this glamorous thought of, you know, working on a TV show that all of us kind of loved. Um, but Andy kind of paints a different picture. I mean, to the extent that we already were comfortable and, and, and friendly with each other, um, you know, there's, there's some opportunities, uh, but you got to remember that, that this is what he does for a living and, you know, 255 days a year or something, he's on the road and, um, you know, it's, it's exhausting. So when he's on the clock, uh, or a lot, a lot of guys who are the talent for these, these things, they're, they're in a van, they go to the hotel, they have a wake up call, they go have breakfast, they get in the van. They go to the thing, they pop out of the van, they do the shoot, they get back in the van, they go back, they go back to their hotel room. Uh, and then it's another call. And, you know, there, sometimes they like to socialize and sometimes they don't, they, you know, they're missing their family. Um, they've got, you know, they, maybe they have like three other shows they're supposed to edit. Uh, plus they're, they're fielding phone calls at odd hours for other projects that they have. Um, it, or frankly, they just don't want to see people because they're just fucking bombarded by people all the time. Mm-hmm. So you got you got to, and it's hard work, and you need a little time yeah. to relax. You, you, you got to remember, you know that this is what Tony was doing for fifteen years, mm-hmm. and you know he spent a lot of time, kind of uh, you know in solitary time, a lot of solitary time. So you know that. For for somebody who's never done this before, it's all exciting. It's like cool. Hey, we get to hang out. Blah blah blah. Best job in the world. But but everybody says. But like, for somebody who does it every day, it's it's not as exciting. You know, it's still a great job, but it's not as exciting as it is for the for the dude who's for the very first time. You know, getting in front of the cameras, or for the third time, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a different game. Once again, that was an interview from the Right at the Fork podcast. You can see the full thing, hear the full thing at rightatthefork.com where you can see other great episodes, by the way, about uh, the Portland food scene. Um, I do want to end, and again, this is kind of why I wanted to talk about Anthony Bourdain and his impact uh, here in the Portland community. Um, The world got to know Voodoo Donuts because Anthony Bourdain visited Portland one day and went and ate a... uh, a maple bar donut that had bacon on top and everybody's life was changed. I, I can attest to it myself, uh, having been living outside of Portland at the time, watching that episode and thinking to myself, is that good? Would it be good to put bacon on a maple bar? And I'll be honest, I did it. And, and it was, it was pretty great. So I think, you know, the, the folks over at Voodoo Donut would also, you know, give a lot of praise or thanks to their initial success, uh, putting them on the radar because of Anthony Bourdain and his response to that donut and their operations. So, and there's lots of other stories that the, um, gentleman we had on the podcast early in the year, Nick Zukin, 
um, was also, I guess he was would have been considered a local fixer for um, Anthony when he came through, kind of um, connected him with a few places um, here in town. So he had has his own unique Anthony Bourdain, as does Vitaly Paley of Paley's Place in Imperial. So the story, the stories and the names could go on and on, but uh, here is a guy who I think many of us feel left us too soon, um, struggled with depression, and um, left this world last year, but has a lasting impact um, both here locally and globally. Thank you for listening today. And in case you've missed any previous podcast, be sure to check out kink.fm or download an episode wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're at it, be sure to like and subscribe. The Portland 50 is a podcast about the people who dream, build, and champion the uniqueness of Portland creating a better community for generations to come. It's presented weekly by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950.